So, we've been going through the Holy Spirit, did a quick overview of who he is not and who he is, and we've gone through some qualities or some some job descriptions, you might want to say, um, of the Holy Spirit, some unique work that the Holy Spirit does um, as pointed out by scriptures. We've talked about how you have the, the triune Godhead, where... God the Father is God, God the Son is God, God the Holy Spirit is God. They're all fully God, but each one of them has a distinct work, um, some of which intermingles with the other parts of the Godhead, but some remain distinct as far as we can discern through the revealed Word of God. Uh, We've talked about how the unique work of the Holy Spirit, how He draws people to Christ, He brings believers to life. He confirms and seals us in the faith. He wrote the scriptures. He reveals the truth of those scriptures to us. He personally interacts with us, and that's kind of a broad, general uh, one. But on number seven, we're going to be starting with number seven today. One of the ways that he interacts with us um, personally is he convicts us of sin. Um, Before we start talking about this, let us pray and ask the Lord's guidance as we try to get to know him. Uh, Not just about him, but truly... The end goal here is that we might know him better as much as we can, as he would reveal himself to us. Lord, I pray as we try to seek you, we try to learn more about you, that you will help us to just know you better, to be more, to, to abide in you, to dwell with you, to love you long for you as the person that you are, not just the theological concept um, that the church has constructed. Um, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to just come alive in this, in this spiritual form as we can only know you once we have personally interacted with us and you have revealed yourself to us, opened that blinded eye of our soul to see you, to behold you and to rejoice in you. Um, I just pray, Lord, that as we seek you, that you would reveal yourself to us, because we can know about you all we want. We just need to read. But, Lord, we want to know you, which is far greater. And far greater than that, you know us, and you love us, and you've called us, and you literally love us with a dying love, um, an enduring love. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so he convicts us of sin. John chapter 16, verse 8. If somebody can read that for us. And when he is come, he will leave the spirit of the world, sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Okay, so what's going to happen when he comes? When And who is he that is coming? Can you see that in the context? Yeah, he's the one who's talking, but who's he talking about? Yeah, in verse 7, right before this one, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Yeah, or the comforter, so you know, your translation might say comforter. Some translations say advocate. They all come from the same word, paraclete. It means all of those things. Um, But 
Systematically, we know that when Jesus talks about the helper or the comforter or the advocate, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, We talked about that a little bit more from verses that we've referenced in previous discussions. Um, But here he says, when the comforter comes, when he comes, in verse 8, as as, uh, Kathy just read, the comforter, he... (laughs) It's kind of funny. The helper, some, the comforter will convict the world concerning sin. That doesn't sound so comforting, right? That's why the word for comforter is a little bit more complex than just somebody who brings comfort. That's why you know, the word paraclete means something broader than just somebody who helps you. Um, but he's coming alongside of us to show us the way, in a way. He's coming alongside. That's literally what paracleo means is the one who comes beside or alongside of us. Now that can mean for help. It can mean for rebuke. It can mean for guidance. It can mean for advocacy. It can mean a lot of different things depending on the context. And here, one of the ways when he comes alongside of us is saying he's going to come alongside of us and convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He's going to, you know, what does that mean? What is that? What do you see? Or perhaps your, perhaps your version says uses it, some different words or something. Sin, righteousness, judgment. What's all that talking about? Concern, you, know, you can see it in verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So he's going to convict the world concerning their sin because they don't believe in Jesus. How is the Holy Spirit's conviction of sin come alongside of us in that regard? Makes us knowledgeable of sin, right? Awareness. Mm -hmm. But if our our ministry is to preach the gospel, to live the gospel, and so on, then it's not going to be an impossible task because the Holy Spirit's going to be out here working in the world to convince them of sin. We're not on our own. Right. Yeah, we're not on our own. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is doing that effectual work with us. Right? We're not just trying to convince people with logical wisdom of men. That would be foolishness. Because the wisdom of men is foolishness with God. But what does Romans 3.23 say? You remember Romans three twenty three? What? Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the verses that many of us perhaps learned as a child, and that's part of this. It's going to convict convict the world of sin. Why is it so important that the Holy Spirit convict the world of sin? Because all have sinned, and as a byproduct of all that sin, we have fallen short of the glory of God. We can't attain to Him. We can't rise up to Him. We can't build a tower of Babel and rise up and go and enter into the gates on our own. But perhaps. You know, this is one of the things that I wish has, was always coupled with Romans 3.23 is Romans 3.24. <laughs> Do we have Romans 3.24 memorized? Because this is one sentence. Romans 3.23 and Romans 3.24 present, is, a, is one concept. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And that's we need the other side of the story if we're going to give hope to the world. The world doesn't just need to know that we have sin, you know, and that's part of the Holy Spirit's work. Concerning sin, we talk about because they do not believe. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. 
Okay, so he's not physically here amongst us. So the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to the world, the answer to our sin problem. Because Christ is at the right hand of the Father up in heaven. He's not here to manifest himself anymore. So the Holy Spirit manifests Jesus on this in this earth. Because Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit is here. And that's his job to manifest to the world the Savior. The other part of Romans 3.23, Romans 3.24. We, are ju- not, we have a sin problem, but we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So that's part of the Holy Spirit's work. Because he is the one who manifests Christ. And who do you think he manifests Christ through? To the world. His body. His, and this is, remember, this is the context of the one who has come alongside who? <laughs> Us. So he's manifesting Christ through his body. There are some times when people receive miraculous visions or messages that were separate from missionaries or whatnot. You hear stories about that in the Middle East. Um, but in general, how is the world won to Christ? Through the Holy Spirit working through the people of God. But we need, let's move on to um, Ezekiel chapter 26, verse 27. I'll read that one. Um, wait, what? That must be a typo. That must be a typo. I wrote down 26, 27. <laughs> well, that's a typo. Let's see. I'll have to look that up and give you the correction on that. But anyway, um, so he convicts the world of sin. Um, I'll, I'll figure out what that reference was supposed to be, and I'll get back to you hopefully next week. Um, so we've seen, in John, at least in John chapter 16, really, if you want to write down the first 7 through 10 or 11. Um, but number 8, are there any, any other thoughts on that one? The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Shows us our sin problem, not just the world, but us as believers. But he also opens our minds up to, to the other part with like the bridegroom. Yeah. 36. Ezekiel? 36. 26. 36. Oh, 36. Let me see here. I will put my spirit. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Okay, thank you, Kirk. So that's 36, not 26. Ezekiel 36, 27. Thank you. So we see it's the work of the Holy Spirit. One of the big problems with the nation of Israel is they weren't all filled with the Holy Spirit at that point in the Old Testament. So their sin problem remained. They didn't have the solution. And he says, Romans chapter... 30, or Ezekiel 36, 27. Um, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Why? Because without the Holy Spirit, we don't know right from wrong. We saw that very clearly with the main, a main theme that ran through the book of Judges being that there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Why? Because nobody had anybody to show them right from wrong. So everybody just did what was right in their own eyes. And really, even with a king in Israel, that didn't really solve the problem. 
They still did that which was right in their own eyes. The kings did that which was right in their own eyes. Hence the need for Messiah, whose sacrifice endured far longer than the blood of bulls and goats were able to last. And now we have the Holy Spirit who is put within us, who shows us right from wrong, causes us to walk according to the statutes of God. Any questions or any other additions that you'd like to make to this um, discussion on the conviction of the Holy Spirit? We also sent them prophets, but they didn't like what they had to say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. Maybe even they would say, well, tell us what the Lord says. Right. But then at the same time, they were thinking in their heart, I don't know what he says anyway. Right. Especially with Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Terrible way of treating. Right. Yeah, they may have wanted to know, but they had no interest in actually following it. Oracle of the Lord. The Oracle of the Lord. That's the Lord God said. Right. The Lord said, don't say that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Listen to what the prophets are telling you. Right. All right, number eight. Another work of the Holy Spirit is he comforts and helps us. So we've, we've, we've been in John 14. Go back to John 14. Verse 26. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Um, So in a way that he helps us, okay, first of all, you see the designation of being the Helper or the Comforter. Um, He is coming alongside of us to bring us. One of the things that he does bring us is Comforter. um, And... He comes alongside of us and helps us as we are walking the narrow path throughout our lives to know the ways of Jesus. And we just talked about this in in Ezekiel, how the Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to obey the statutes of the Lord. So so here he not only tells us the way, but he is helping us to actually remember them. Um, And it wasn't it's not just about how to live our life, but as. Jesus is talking to his disciples, he is saying, um, the Holy Spirit's going to come to you and he's going to help you remember all the things that I have taught you. Now, were the disciples, learned men, scholars, scribes, Pharisees? No. Paul was a Pharisee. He's kind of, he's like the anomaly to the whole thing. But the 12 disciples that were called to walk along Jesus' side, they were simple, ordinary men. But have you read Peter's sermons at the very beginning of, um, right after the ascension of Jesus into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples? Have you read his sermons towards the beginning? All of a sudden, he's talking like a scholar, (laughs) an Old Testament theologian, because he's remembering what he's taught. He's remembering what Jesus taught. And how do you think he's remembering these things? Exactly according to how Jesus promised it. And do you think that his promise was just to the 12 disciples? 
Not to say that every single one of us should be transformed from a simpleton to a great scholar and theologian, um, preacher who turns the world upside down. Not all of us are meant to be preachers and teachers and things like that. But do you think that the Holy Spirit can work in a similar way in you, in whom he abides, as he did with the simple disciples? Or do you, well, go ahead. Peter was an example of his work. Right. Prime example of Jesus' work. Then you have the sermon of Stephen, the martyr. Have you read that sermon? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> sermon. Convicting sermon. Boldness. He didn't even walk with Jesus. <laughs> Maybe he did. I mean, there were other, we know there were other disciples besides the 12 that were kind of in the outer circle of disciples. The inner 12 were the inner circle of disciples. But oh, the stuff that he was able to proclaim to the large crowd of Jews. Amazing. How is he able to do that? How are these people, these simpletons, these people who are not scholars, who are not learned people, how are they able to do these things? Because Jesus is keeping his promise. He sent the helper to come and to help us do the will of God. And that we'll talk about a little bit more number 10. And number nine actually deals with some of that, but we're running out of time. But is there anything else you'd like to bring up in regards to just how the Spirit actually supernaturally helps us? I mean, do we really? I mean, I, this was something that has, was missing from my upbringing. This was missing from my college education. My college education, everybody was pushing us. You need to go to seminary. You need to go to seminary. If you don't go to seminary, you're not going to be equipped to be a pastor. You know, and all these types, it was all about the book learning. It wasn't even about experience. It was about go learn. Go be taught by, by scholars. And then you'll be equipped for the ministry. There's an element of that that's helpful. But there's an element of that that's harmful. Because it takes our attention. It can take our attention away from the helper whom Jesus has sent. Paul was writing to <clears throat> Timothy was counting on conveying that the work of the Spirit was going to be carried on in others besides the apostles, or he was even saying all Scripture is given mm -hmm. the inspiration of God, and right. so on. Right. So uh, mm -hmm. I thought to put it in there, I had just put it in there as well as yep. an explanation. Yep. No, you're, you're completely <clears throat> right. And I find it interesting because you can see it in when, he, when, he incur when he requested, I think it was of Timothy, he said, be sure to send the um, the books, well, the, or the, the scrolls, and especially the parchments. Yeah. So basically, one being, send me the, the books, basically, so that I can read, but also, but especially, send me the parchments, which was the blank paper for him to write on, because he wanted to get the word out, not just take it in. <laughs> you know, and when he was sitting there in prison, he was dependent on people to bring him things that he could study, but he was also dependent, he was desperate to get the word out, even from prison. So he was, especially bring me the papers that I, the, the, bring me my notebook so that I can write. Because the Spirit has, has, Jesus has given me so much to talk about that I have to write it down and send it out. Because the Spirit is revealing to him. The Spirit can reveal to us. Two, 
He can bring, he doesn't just pull stuff out of thin air. No, he says, Jesus said he'll bring to remembrance everything that I have said to you. Okay, so he needs to walk in accordance with learning. We need to be in the word of God to see what Jesus has said, to see what Jesus did, so that we can go and teach it and so that we can go and do it. We need that desperately. And as we're doing that, the spirit brings to remembrance everything that Jesus taught and did. And we need to believe that. It's not just, it's not about you and your ability to learn. You know, I've mentioned before, I'm not scholar material. I'm not that, I'm not a smart guy. I don't retain a ton of deep things. But I, and I do, I learned after, you know, when I was in college and I was falling behind <laughs> because I'm not that smart of a person, I knew that I needed God to bring, to carry me into this. I knew he had called me to preach. I knew he called me to be in his ministry. But I learned early on, I thought I was hot stuff, but I learned early on, I was humbled by God that I was not so hot at this. <laughs> and I needed him to reveal his word to me. I needed him to guide me in his ways because I couldn't figure it out on my own. And I still can't figure it out on my own. But we have to believe, if we want to believe something about doing ministry, we need to believe this, that the Spirit is your paraclete. He comes alongside of you. It's not just you. It's not just me. Thank the Lord for that. Otherwise, things could get really boring and useless really fast. <laughs> he is along. He is with us. And God, Jesus has promised that he will bring to remembrance everything that Jesus taught us. That's encouraging to me. And that's the only reason that I don't get super incredibly nervous when I'm up here doing this. Because I know it's not all about me. <laughs> it's not all on my shoulders. It's on the shoulders of Jesus who promised it. Anything you'd like to add? Well, I think this fits very well with our study there in James. Uh, you know, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and really that's saying God is just ready to... He really wants to give you right. the, right. the ask. Right. <laughs> ask. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So you have the word, you have prayer, all working part of it. <laughs> He'll bring to remembrance the things that you've seen in Jesus, and you need to ask. You need to pray <laughs> and seek the Lord. Amen. Do we really believe that? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's humbling. I mean, did you hear it? Those are humbling to the proud. Without me, you can do nothing. What's that say about us? Yeah. Right, right. Right. You can do stuff by yourself, but it's going to fall to the ground and die <laughs> and be burned up. It'll be wood, hay, and stubble, amount to nothing. And this is especially important for us as a church to remember as we go out and we try to do what God wants us to do, fulfilling his role in our life, reaching the world for Christ. We can go out in humility and in boldness. Boldness can only come from humility. You know, the world thinks about that differently. Boldness can only come through pride. 
But in our case, boldness can only come through humility because only in humility do we recognize that without Jesus, we can do nothing. But with Jesus, with the spirit that he has sent, we can do all of his will. There's no, no part of God's will that we cannot do because the spirit has been given to us to do God's will through us. Unless we think the spirit is lacking in something. But usually it just comes down to faithlessness on our part. But we... No, 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 it's not the spirit who has the problem. <laughs> right. Amen. Well, I think we've pretty much covered it, though. You know, in verse 26, John fifteen twenty-six. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth... Who proceeds from the Father. Okay, look at all his credentials. <laughs> he was coming from the Father. He's the Spirit of truth. He proceeds from the Father. How much more convincing do you need that the Spirit has the authority of God? He will bear, he, he will bear witness about me. So, I want to talk about this for a second. He will bear witness about me. He's, he's, Jesus is telling us the Holy Spirit's main job description. Roman numeral 1. He will bear witness about me. Now, when we pray, God, I want to know your will. What are we exactly? I mean, we know the will of God for the Spirit. We want the Spirit to help us, to guide us. But we already know where the Spirit's going to guide us. In his job. So the Spirit has come to bear witness about Christ. So if we want to walk in the will of God in the Spirit, if you want to walk in the Spirit, if you want to abide in the Spirit, you have to have the same will that the Spirit has. You need to start there. You want to know what it's like to walk in the Spirit? Well, here's your starting point. Here's where the gun goes off. Bear witness about Christ. Because that's the Spirit's great obligation. That's His devotion here on this planet. If you want to do the will of God then you need to enter into the will of the Spirit rather than how we usually pray, Spirit, enter into my will and make things work out. <laughs> See what's happening in my life and make these things come together. We need to reverse this. We need to get into the will of the Spirit and to be embarking on His journey rather than just expecting Him to come into our journey. We need to first go into His journey. And what's His journey? What's His great devotion? To bear witness about Christ. If we're unwilling to do that, then we will fizzle out and die in sadness and despair because we're not going to see the Spirit working in our lives. We're not going to see fruitfulness because we never actually entered into the will of God. We know what the will of God is to bear witness about Christ. And if we're not willing to enter into that, then have at your life. But we know what the will of God is. We know what the Spirit's main priority is. We need to enter into His priority first. And once we enter into His priority, we're going to see, one, our prayers change. From make these things, make all of my life work out to God. Make Christ known through me. And He will. Because that's His job. That's what He's here for. So if you want to see the fruitfulness then we must enter into the will of the Spirit, the purpose of the Spirit. Anything anybody would like to add? I like that um, part that the whole bond thing that we 
righteousness. Anything else? Right, right. It's the same thing of I can't even take my next breath if it's not for him. The mm-hmm. point, the problem is of what they don't believe yeah. that we live tonight. I mean, they think God is bondage. <laughs> Just like a kid, they want to show their independence. They don't want to do what mom and dad wants them to do. They want to break out from the rules of home. Right. Right. It is. There's a book out there. What does it say? It takes more. You know, I don't. I, I don't have faith to be an atheist or something like. That. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist <laughs> or something like that. Because <laughs> it really, you're really on your own. You really better know what you're doing <laughs> if you want to be an atheist. Because you are on your own at that point. You get what you ask for. Anything else?